Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to the latest episode of the Blues on Parade podcast, where all we do is talk Chelsea and talk shit about everyone else. And Sam, it's getting uh, it's getting more difficult to record these podcasts. I'm not gonna lie, the inspiration or the inspirational flame, if you will, is uh, is getting dimmer and dimmer. And not just that, I think we need to change our slogan, Zach, because it just doesn't feel right to say where all we do is talk Chelsea and talk shit about everyone else, because it's pretty much like we're starting off the episode with a lie. That's like the first thing you, very first thing you say is a lie. Like, is that really how we want to treat our listeners? No. Um, <laughs> I just, I don't Interesting know, man. perspective. Yeah, well, you know what? I mean, we could change the slogan to just... Chelsea we're Chelsea. Sucks. We're a Chelsea podcast. <laughs> like let's just let's just say we're a Chelsea podcast. All right. Where all we do we is that. finish mid table and get bounced out of the Champions League in hopeless fashion. That's a better slogan, I think. Yeah, I th- you suitable. know, the last little bit of glimmer of hope that I had for this season completely washed away um, by a bizarre, bizarre match. Honestly. Um, can, can we can we go through the starting eleven, like please? I think this is the best best part yeah. of the match. Yeah. Um, starting eleven, uh, Kepa in goal, back three of Chalaba, Thiago Silva, Kalidou, Kulabali, Kukurea left wing back, midfield three Kovacic, Enzo at the base, and Conte playing um, just uh, alongside him. Restriker on the right, Connor Gallagher and Kai Havertz up top. So for those of you that are listening, you might think that Chelsea parked the bus and that we went 5-4-1, left Kai Havertz up top, and uh, just tried to hit Real on the counter. When in reality, Conor Gallagher and N'Golo Conte were deployed as 10s behind Kai Havertz, high-pressing 10s, um, leaving Enzo there to sort of mop up whatever mess uh, there is to clean up after Real breaks the initial press. So. Listen, man, I'm just going to give my take on the starting 11 before we get into it. I wasn't too mad at it when we when it first came out. I mean, I'm, not, I'm really not going to lie. Um, I, I understand the argument of, oh, Frank set us up to lose. Frank set us up not to win, yada, yada, yada. I have yet to see a valid argument that any other starting lineup would have produced more goals. The evidence, the entire season. So for the first half, I thought it was not bad. But here's the but. Frank deployed the tac- these tactics in the wrong game. I think he should have done this at the Bernabeu. You could have parked the bus at the Bernabeu, 5-4-1, maybe get into the half, nil-nil, come out in the second half, switch things up, go with this high press, nick a goal, smash and grab, classic Chelsea, you know, away Champions League match. But instead, um, we saw two different formations in two different games, and unfortunately... You know, Real proved why they're champions of Europe. You know, Real Madrid, for God's sake. But Sam, I mean, what did you kind of make of it? Um, I know you were kind of up in arms when it first came out. Well, this was just initial reaction because I didn't even, you know, like, it's just your imagination runs wild thinking, what 
what is Frank thinking when we're down two goals to set up like this? Where are the goals coming from? And then you take a couple of seconds to think, yeah, where, regardless where are the goals coming from, it doesn't matter how you set up. The goals aren't coming from anywhere. Um, so I was, I was kind of like, it was like entertaining to watch the first half to see what ended up like being a really interesting formation and interesting tactics, something that we haven't seen this whole season. Um, so Frank, Frank, sorry to cut you off, but Frank said that he was trying to get energy into the side. And I mean, talk about that a little bit. You were the one that even pointed out in the group chat that the atmosphere in the stadium seemed louder, at least watching it on TV. And oh, I yeah. think it was. Yeah, I mean, look, credit to Frank for trying something new um, and not kind of falling, trying to fall back on the basics and, you know, getting too, too uh, you know, casual about it. It was it was an interesting bold decision, uh, and we had chances to score. Obviously, early on, first half was pretty good. I mean, look, we got a Twitter question from uh, at Sophie Bikes. I, I want to read it because it, it kind of summarizes my thoughts as well as adding a question, saying, uh, "Never the optimist, I guess." But it, did I say who it was from? At Sophie Bikes, I think I did. Yeah. Um, Never the optimist, I guess, but I feel like the first half was honestly some of the best we've played in a while, even though it was not that great by any means. But was it just because Champs League was really all we had to play for, or can we maybe try it in the Prem? Uh, yeah, see, like that first half, I think it was the best we've looked <laughs> in a long time. And yeah, we're, we didn't, didn't result in any goals scored. We had those chances, and I guess that isn't really anything new for Chelsea, but I don't know. It's just kind of gave me signs of hope of what we could see with this team moving forward. But I haven't had that feeling in a long time. Yeah, it gave me a sign of hope until about the 58th minute. Um, and then I reverted right back to where we were before. I mean, here's the thing. You deploy a tactic like that where... I don't want to say you limit your goal scoring opportunities because again, all the guys on the bench haven't proven that they'll come on and, you know, change the game in terms of goal scoring, but you are kind of handicapping the capability of, of the team by setting them up this way. I mean, Kai Havertz is by himself up top, you know, he can't do anything with a partner. What makes you think he's going to do something without one? There just seemed to be no presence in the box when the buildup play would reach the final third and either Reese James or Kukurea would receive the ball in those wide positions and just, and nobody would be there to receive any sort of service. They're just, for me, there wasn't a big enough presence, but in terms of talking about the end of the rest of the season, if we need to get results, then yeah. I mean, I don't mind playing this way, but here's the bottom line. The champions league's out of the picture. Our season is effectively over. I know a lot of people talking about relegation and blah, 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 blah. I don't necessarily think we're in a relegation battle, at least not yet. <laughs> but with that being said, moving forward towards the rest of the season, a lot of these guys really shouldn't even be playing if the rest of the games don't matter. If you want to form some sort of continuity about players that could potentially be here next year, 
then maybe guys like Kai Havertz, maybe guys like Conor Gallagher, Kovacic, Koulibaly, even though he just got here, Chalaba, Kepa, those are all guys that are probably going to be on a chopping block come to summertime. So let's not forget, and this is something that's very important. I don't think we mentioned it on the pod yet, but we've breached the financial fair play rules and we need to sell players. I mean, that's, that's just the bottom line. Um, and when you look at some of those names that I mentioned, some people might be surprised to hear Chalaba, Gallagher, and those in, in, in mentioned there, maybe even throw in Loftus-Cheek and Mason Mount as well. But those guys are probably the most sellable assets that we have at this point because they represent pure cash profit. Meaning yeah. we didn't spend any money on them to bring them in. They would just be pure profit in regards to the books. So the rest of the season, yes, I do want to see some sort of tactical cohesion or some sort of consistency in terms of the way we set up, the way we play. But I, I think it's more important to prioritize the players that are going to be here long term. And with that being said, I don't necessarily think you can make that decision until you bring in a manager. But that's something that we'll be talking about in a little bit anyways. Okay. I know I, I'm gonna, gonna, I, know, I know I kinda gave you a yeah. lot there, so I yeah, I'm gonna try to break down everything you said and respond uh, point by point. But going back to the beginning about uh using these tactics for the rest of the season or just the way they played, I mean you could tell by I mean, even before halftime, these guys were kind of gassed. Like it was a desperation mode type of like frantic play style, you know, like they were giving him they were giving it their all in this situation that's you expect that where it's win or go home and it's the only thing left to play for this season um and it's the champions league where crazier shit has happened to our club just not just you know like we've we've seen it firsthand so i just don't think that we'll see anything like that the rest of the season there's, it just doesn't make sense for the prim, the Premier League. It just doesn't make sense, like for the rest of the season. How many matches we have left? Ten, I believe plus. Seven. Yeah, I mean, yeah. it's it, we're it, probably it, gonna it, lose most of them anyway. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> you have to remind me of 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 our schedule. Um, it's not easy. But for those of you that haven't looked. Just a word of caution. Don't look. You'll thank me later. Um, I mean, should I, you want me to? You want me to run through the the list of the names of the teams? United, know, just... Brentford, Arsenal, Bournemouth, Forest, City, Newcastle. So, based on current form, maybe one not point. Them. Maybe Wait. Nottingham. <laughs> maybe a point out of Nottingham. No, I'm saying uh, that I think Nottingham might be the only like winnable game and i know I'm saying winnable playing. meaning connor gallagher smacks it off someone's ass cheek and it goes in again believe me we're saying the same thing zach I, no one no one is high on this team right now zach it's it's hard to be okay I, sorry then yeah, let me let me just go back to the like the selling off the players and having you're you're talking about how a sale of homegrown players is straight profit and for financial fair play it's going to be recorded on our books a little bit differently i don't know if that's the case to be honest um you know like 
As far it as is. I, I, we didn't sign them for anything. They came up through the academy. When we promoted them to the first team, we gave them a real like big boy contract. But and that's, the... that's all there was to it. There was no transfer fee involved. There was no initial investment of twenty twenty five million for the player. I don't there think that, that matters though, because financial fair play, it's kind of like it resets every year. Every year, you need to, you know, make up as much as you spend. So, well, you know, that's like in let the me, past. Let me correct you. I went down this rabbit hole because I was a little curious because it seems like every club in Europe has the ability to tiptoe around FFP. Um, FFP is only really enforced by UEFA, meaning if we're in UEFA competitions, obviously the we, that that's where your punishment will come if you violate any rules. We'll come in UEFA UEFA competitions. Now, yeah. everybody's saying, well, we're not in Champions League next year. It doesn't matter. We can still go out and spend as much money and break FFP if we want to. Not necessarily. FFP is on a three-year basis, three-year rolling basis. So even if Chelsea don't make the Champions League this season, it can have implications if we were to make Champions League next season or the following season after. And in regards to the players being pure pure cash profit, let me explain. What I mean by that is if we were to turn around and sell, let's say, a Koulibaly, who hasn't necessarily had a good start, or a Kukurea, right? Somebody that we just purchased who's showing on the books in the last fiscal year. Um, if we were to turn around and sell Kukurea for, let's say, oh, 50 yeah. million, a $10 million a loss. loss, we're still a loss. We're still at a loss. Whereas if we sell Trevor Chalaba, we're cutting into that loss margin without necessarily taking as big of a ding as we were, as we would selling somebody that we already purchased. Right. Okay. I mean, so for, yeah, for the players that we bought this year, right. I agree. Mm -hmm. But, but beyond this year, I mean, I guess you're like, if you're looking at it, I mean, like, like Pulisic, Pulisic would have the same effect if you sold him for 40 million this year as Trevor Chalaba, because we bought him like five years ago four to years a certain ago. extent yes the, the the issue with selling guys like because common sense would tell you that there'd be more suitors for someone like pulisic than chalaba right i still think it's fair to say that top clubs will most likely be in for pulisic when he becomes available over the summer Chalaba's probably looking at mid to bottom table premier league teams and clubs outside of england but the issue with pulisic is the wages and that's the same issue yeah. that goes to like a lot of these other guys. Um, the, the foreign players that we signed on big money for big money, they got big wages at the same time. Whereas guys like Chalaba, I mean, Mount's on huge wages, so you got to kind of take him off of that list. Um, Reese James on big wages, but he's not even for sale. But a guy like Chalaba, a guy like Connor Gallagher, who might be on what's big money to other Premier League clubs, but mid to <laughs> you know lower wages here. They might be a lot, a lot more sellable, or Gallagher or Chalaba. Excuse me, I think I said Kai, but yeah, that's mm -hmm. my point basically. And and something else I heard today, I was listening to the Athletics podcast, and um, they were explaining that the the summer window actually opens up the second week of June this season because the season ends later than normal. Um, the books for this fiscal year officially close on June the thirtieth, the last day of the month. Meaning we'll have about two to two and a half weeks where we'll be able to fire sell these players or we'll try our best to fire sell these players in order to lessen or completely get rid of the loss 
that we're showing under FFP for this season. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, I get that. I get that yeah. part for sure. I mean, so, so that's it's... something else that we have to keep into consideration. And then the final thing, and this is this is it, I swear, is if we do go wind up selling Pulisic or Chalaba or whoever, pick pick any one of them, and it's going to be within that two week window. Clubs are going to know that we have to sell. So if Pulisic is worth fifty million before this FFP breach happened, guess what? Now he's worth thirty five. You know, and other mm-hmm. clubs could come in and be like, look, I'm not going to help you unless you help me. I mean, it's simple yeah. business, right? Yeah, so, I mean, you lose all leverage. Exactly. So we're in a bit of a sticky situation financially. I think I think we are going to be seeing a huge shift between this season and next season in terms of outgoings. And that's mm-hmm. why I keep harping on, let's get a manager in. Let's have him identify three or four core players that are non-negotiables for him that he wants to build around and then we can market everybody else and just kind of see what happens over the summer because the market's going to be so unpredictable we can have so many suitors for one guy and none for another for no apparent reason so who knows what's going to happen but i I just want to see some sort of vision in place and i think that starts with the manager and i think the manager should have a say in terms of the outgoings you know especially as it as the ffp you know breach looms over our head as well yeah i mean just we've we've gone so many seasons uh into so many seasons making moves before a manager like is solidified and in place uh that they start the season they don't have the transfer window you know they have to they have to do with what they have you know yeah so i don't know i mean it's funny so it, it was pretty funny how this like conversation came up out of nowhere and that you apologized like for going on a tangent but really what else are we going to talk about zach like i mean there, there there's, there's nothing to talk about i mean look, we, hey, we got Bra- uh brandon on twitter at wilson for usa shout out to brandon he said time to do a sell episode for squad trimming i think that's uh we need we need more recommendations from our listeners of what what to talk about like yeah like that because we're gonna keep losing (laughs) for the foreseeable so if you want to hear some more interesting pods give us some ideas yeah exactly so shout out to brandon thank you for that we'll we'll Um, do that soon all jokes aside there are a couple other things that i do want to mention uh before we get into our twitter questions Mm -hmm. but more all um, all of them all of them more depressing than the last (laughs) generally speaking yeah um (laughs) So the first one comes from Tiago Silva. Um, if you haven't heard already, uh, some pretty damning quotes. Uh, brutally honest. I don't. Need, I don't even want to say damning because it, it didn't come out of a place of ill intent. I think it came out of a place of love. I think this is a man that loves the club, loves his teammates, and he has a lot of professional pride. Um, and I think that's where these quotes came from. So I think they're coming from a good place. But I'll go ahead. I'll read them out, and we can react to it. He said, "I think the first step." has been made an incorrect step but it has been made we can't be blaming managers if we don't take responsibility it's a hard period for the club with a lot of indecision change of ownership new players arriving we had to increase the size of the dressing room because it didn't fit the size of the squad some can't make the squad we signed eight in january and we need to stop and put a strategy in place otherwise next season we can make the same mistakes um and then also to kind of caveat that Didier Drogba 
with a with a brutal and i think this was also came from a place of love but more of a place of frustration said quote i no longer recognize my club so two club legends um i think it's safe to say tiago silva's nailed on club legend Um, yeah you know wait hold on just before we like delve into what they actually said those two quotes tiago silva's is much more helpful than Drogba's. I'm actually very disappointed in Drogba's quote because mm. I mean, what is how is he helping the situation at all? You're a club legend. We've seen we've seen John Terry come out with positive words. Frank Lampard, he's and Ashley Cole, both of them are back on the staff, like trying to help the team. These are all Chelsea legends. Didier Drogba, instead, he's sitting on the side and saying, "I don't even recognize this club anymore." I, you know I was what, very Tom? disappointed that he said that. I agree. I completely agree. And and this is coming from my favorite player of all right, time. Right, exactly. That's yeah. that's why I'm so upset about it. I yeah. can't believe he I can't believe you said this. I mean, what, what he should have said is something more along the lines of Thiago Silva like, look, mm-hmm. the 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 club just need to get their shit together and we'll be back one day and you know what? To be completely f- <laughs> no pun intended, to be completely frank, I think mm-hmm. what he said what Frank said was after the match was was perfect. He said, "Look, this isn't the Chelsea that we're used to seeing." And I'm summarizing this. None of us like seeing Chelsea this way, but we are going to be back one day. It's just a matter of being patient and 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 making the right decisions. And that's what Thiago Silva's saying here. But I think Thiago Silva's pointing out a lot of what the obvious is, and for me, this is refreshing because now we know. That the players are feeling the same sort of frustration we are, and they're feeling the same sort of frustrations in the same areas we are. The squad's too big. There's there's a managerial merry-go-round. There doesn't seem to be a clear plan by ownership. I mean, these are all facts. These are all true facts. He didn't he didn't say anything that struck me as offensive, and I think everything he said should be heard loud and clear by ownership, because if they're gonna turn towards any of the senior players, I mean, they have this infatuation with going into the dressing room. But if they're going to be so infatuated with, you know, having relationships with these players and keeping this dialogue going, who better to listen to in that dressing room than Thiago Silva? And I think that's why he kind of went out and said and said these quotes. So I'm happy he did. And I hope that it sheds mm-hmm. a light on, especially with ownership, they, they, they need to take a hard look at themselves because been disgusting so far the spending doesn't make sense we bought players in the same multiple players in the same position we spent 700 million and got no number nine and no goalkeeper i mean Mm -hmm. it's just it's just it's it's crazy yeah i've been trying to find drogba's full quotes because i I don't want to be like hamstrung into believing that's all he said and it was just out of context but every quote that I pull up, it, he, it was an interview with Canal, uh, Canal, Canal. So I think it was a French. French. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So it's, there's not too much in English. I can't like read the quotes, but like some of the translated quotes are really bad. Like another one is, uh, I knew this club with a certain class during the Abramovich era, but today I find it lacking. It's very hard for me to see how they got rid of certain people. Like, again, like, I love what Tiago Silva said, because he was speaking the truth, but also, like, 
trying to help the situation and you know, inspire. Drogba is not inspiring anyone with this. It's just making everyone mad. And yeah, sure, maybe what he's saying is the truth. And it's what everyone's thinking, but I don't know. As a club legend, during these times, you gotta you gotta show more support. But I mean, also doing mean, Tiago Silva's quotes, which was very interesting. I think it was kind of a calling out, like directly against the owners, because he's he's naming all these mistakes. I mean, I know he mentioned the change of ownership, but. He specifically called out, like, you know, <laughs> not, like, having to increase the size of the changing room because it didn't fit everyone, like, kind of mismanagement, so, I don't know, um, it's just not, it's not a great situation for anyone. It screams of just lacking a plan. We talked about this so many times, but... We weren't even I don't prepared know. to have Hold a locker on. room. We weren't even prepared to have that many players. I mean, the locker room size wasn't even prepared to have that many players, let alone ownership, the managers, both managers that have come in since Tuchel left. It's, it's, it's all over the damn place. It's, it's still not even one full year into this new ownership. So I still want to reserve judgments on, like, you know, saying that there's no plan they're they're winging it you know because as far as we know like all these buys and then flipping everyone else rebuilding into a certain squad that is going to be elite moving forward who knows and uh both of us have the the motorcycles driving by our apartments but <laughs> yeah uh, man i don't know I, I on a weekday love it um, um no but to kind of bounce off to kind of bounce off what you were saying and to kind of move the conversation on a little bit. Um, again, I, I just think it's, it's imperative that we bring somebody in before we come up with a plan and, and to kind of back up my point or that I made earlier about there not being a plan in place. I mean, if there was, then the managerial search wouldn't be taking so damn long. I mean, usually negotiations start would start happening before the managers even gotten sacked. And in our case, they didn't start happening until a couple days after. So where's the plan? Where's the, all right, we're going to sack Graham Potter. This is the profile of manager we're going to go after. We want to, we want to, we want to play this type of football. We need this type of personality. We need this type of characteristics. We need these, these accolades, blah, 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 blah. The guy's proven. We got none of that. There was no, we're all over the damn place. We're stuck between uh, some, a couple coaches that I've never heard of, a guy in Portugal who's had an amazing season, but obviously he's not going to be leaving sporting, and I don't even necessarily think he's ready for a club like Chelsea. You got Luis Enrique, who's 4-3-3, rigid, never changes his system, had one successful managerial stint where he had Messi, Neymar, and Suarez, the best front three we've seen in this generation of football. So I'm not having that. He had two bad stints uh, coaching the Spanish national team and another bad stint. I'm forgetting what team he coached in Spain, but he didn't necessarily set the world alight either. And then the third manager you have is Nogglesman, who plays variations of three at the back, four at the back. He's a, he's a, he's a, he's a tactician. He changes the formations. He throws curveballs at other managers. And then you got a manager like Pochettino, who's also being linked with us. Who, 
it, 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 this is what I mean. If there was a plan, then okay, we want to identify a more defensive, solid manager that's just gonna that's gonna help us defend well and give us a fighting chance in every single game. Okay, we're gonna shortlist Mourinho, Pochettino, Conte, so on and so forth. Oh, we want to go with a more attacking, fluid style of football, but we don't necessarily want to be married to one system. Okay, then we'll go with a Nogglesman or you know. But that's my point. It's we're not identifying a specific type of manager and as fans we can't look at this managerial search and go okay this is what this is what ownership's looking for i feel good about what they're doing they're not instilling any more trust in us by going about it this way and that's the frustration for me is one we should have had one in place but two there was just no plan there was zero planning involved with all of this and now they're doing their homework uh, too little too late it seems like we're relying on past relationships because all of the reports we've been reading don't really look past Nogglesman as the next manager. And it looks like we're really using Vivelle's connections here more than anything. More so than Todd Bowley going around, picking up the phone and calling people like he was last summer, which necessarily isn't the greatest thing ever. But, but well, like, exactly. You make good points about, like, you know, not identifying. Or, like, how all of the linked names don't really have anything in common, so they don't know what their plan is as far as that. But why yeah. is it, why do you, why are you saying it's too little too late? I mean, the, the regular hiring season of new managers hasn't even started yet. You know, we could have gone the rest of the season with Graham Potter and done the same thing, done the same, you know, due diligence process and hired a manager sometime right in, in in the off season and it would have been the same timeline, but instead of sacking Graham Potter, he'd still be there. So I don't think that we're behind on any timelines. Like they're taking their time, their due diligence. And I think, you know, they're, they're expanding their, their search to see, you know, what, you know, what, uh, what are all the options? What yeah. can you I provide? Mean- that's different. And then what fits best with what we have right now? I, 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 I can respect and understand that point of view, but just based on the evidence that we've seen so far from this ownership group, that's fair. I, I, I just don't, I just don't believe that. I, I, there's not enough out there for me to be like, okay, I fully trust that these guys had a plan and know what they're doing, and they're just. Listen, I know they're vetting these guys, and I know that they're going to interview them all the way down to the bone so they could fully understand what their footballing ideas are and like long-term visions are. Mm-hmm. But again, like if, if, if what you said is true, right? Like you were playing devil's advocate saying if we kept Potter and then hired a new manager over the summer, fine. That's a fair approach to take. That's an, that's an approach a lot of other clubs would take. But we brought in Frank Lampard. We sacked Potter. We brought in Frank Lampard. In my opinion, it was only for the vibes. Some people will say it was for the Champions League, but again, no one, no one says that. Based <laughs> no on one what? says that. <laughs> based on what? So it was purely for the vibes. So again, he misread that situation. I mean, he's already hired the wrong initial guy. He hired the wrong interim. I, I don't know, Zach. It's the season's over. Who's it who's is. the right person for the interim? It's done. Who's gonna? Who's the right person? My, my point is, if you're going to sack Potter, have a backup ready to go 
Why? And then, and then the conversation with the backup needs to go like this. Listen, you need to build some sort of continuity so we can get results and some sort of form going into the Champions League tie with Madrid. If we lose that tie between then and the rest of the season, it's about future planning only. Don't worry about the players that you don't want to be here. You pick your starting 11, you pick your subs, and the other 19 can go fuck off. And, and, and honestly, that's, that's what I'm kind of itching towards. Like, that's what I want to see the club. That's what I want to see the next step being for the club. Here's our manager. We're going to introduce him to the fan. We're going to sign him on a pre-contract. If it's Nogglesman, he's not coming this season. Why would he? I think it'd be worse if he came into this environment. Better to wait till the summer clean slate. Yeah. So if it's Nogglesman, you sign him on a pre-contract. You let everybody know that we have a full-time manager coming in over the summer. And then what you do is you give him access to every single bit of data that Chelsea has from players this season. And then he gives those ideas to Frank Lampard and says, look, these are my guys that I want to see play in these positions. And then he could start his scouting early. He can start building his squad early and start planning early because who knows? He might look at a Connor Gallagher and go, I could use him. Or he might look at a, at a, at a, uh, I don't know who's another fringe player. Just name anybody a Loftus cheek and go, Oh, you know what? I think I, I, th- I think Loftus cheek will be an important player for me. Or I think a Koulibaly will be an important player for me, but these are the things that need to start happening now. If it happening now, if we don't hire a manager, especially because there's a week between now and our next game, it'll be a disaster. It'll be a wasted match. We'll yeah, be, and, I'm... And, 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 and we'll probably see the likes of Ziyech. We'll probably see a mishmash of random ass players, half of whom who won't even be here next season. And that's something no Chelsea fan wants to see. At that point, I'd rather see the kids play. So I'm thinking of like when the last time something like that happened where a team sacked their manager mid-season and then they found their replacement and brought him in, not to manage, but just like what you're saying, like meet the players, share data, whatever, have input for next season. Sorry? Ten Hag. Yeah, exactly. That's that, that was that was the first name I thought yeah. of. That and look, and, like, and look how and well the, it worked out for them. Yeah, but think like when when Ole Gunnar was uh, sacked, Michael Carrick took over as caretaker, right? Mm-hmm. For how long? I mean, it's it's really not the the worst thing. No, no, no. I'm, and I'm not saying it is. Listen, a caretaker wouldn't be the worst thing ever if we brought him in. Maybe lose the first game, but then Frank's doing right match. now. He's he's that's exactly what he is. He's a caretaker. I know he is, but what I'm saying is the results aren't following. Now, normally, if you bring in a caretaker, you have like a uh, somebody that is going to come in. Like a, I'm just going to throw an example out there. Sam Allardyce, right? Like the 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 ultimate caretaker manager just comes in. You know, okay, he's going to yeah, play four two. But... He's going to establish. Go back to basics. All we're gonna do is defend well, hit teams on the counter, and try and get away with. No, those that that what you're describing is what you're describing is what bottom three teams do. They need that caretaker to um, ensure that they get points and they stay afloat. Why do we need that? Between Chelsea and Everton this season, Frank Lampard managed 28 matches. He's only managed to win four. I can't. I know. I understand. That's not what we did. What we did is what a small club does. We hired a bottom of the barrel manager 
who's oh. hopeless coming into a team who's hopeless. Like there was no way that this was ever gonna work. And 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 if it was and it's not a knock on Frank, because I mean we all love him and I feel bad saying anything relatively negative about him, but it's really not a knock on him. I think the job's just too big for him. Realistically, after he lost that Everton job, he should have he should have gone down to the championship. A couple more years, iron out all the wrinkles that you've made that you have as a manager, and then maybe you get another stint in the Premier League. Instead, Chelsea give him an offer. I don't blame him for accepting. Anybody would accept it, especially in his position. But my lord, the the for, the the lack of foresight to see that this was not going to work out from ownership standpoint is just, I mean, it's baffling. Zach, what, what, what can any manager do? Like, can, do you think we could get like prime Johan Cruyff and make him our manager? And we, we would have won like, no, like, I no. mean, imagine like, there's no one who could have done that. No, like, but, but, but what I'm saying is instead of bringing in Frank and saying, try to fix it. No, who's, they didn't say that. He's a caretaker. They did. They did. No, fix um, it. they did. Or not try to fix it. Try to stop us from sinking at this rate. Slow it down a little bit, right? Like, start shoveling water out of the ship. That's basically why we brought him in here for. If we finish 11th versus if we finish 14th, like, what's the difference? If we if we brought him in as a true caretaker, there would be a full-time manager already who has already been named, and he would be in daily discussions with Frank or working on the training pitch at least with the team. I mean, doing something, even having even just having access to sheer data. Like, if Nogglesman is like, okay, I want to build my team around around uh you know, two attacking eights. Give him the data to all of our attacking midfielders and all of our other midfielder players right now so he can start looking at it and say, okay, Connor Gallagher is good here and poor there. Mount's good here and poor there. Kovacic is good here and poor there. There's nothing. We're just asking Frank to go out there, put out an 11, and whatever <laughs> 11 it is, it's going to be miserable because all 30 players have been miserable. And, 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 and we're just being hopeless romantics. Like, it's, it's, it's silly. It's I, elementary I get, school thinking. What I get, I get what you're saying in the sense that we could have treated the last nine games in a more productive way, as in sort like, of like a you pre preseason. And yeah, just like you know, instead of because right now it feels like okay, the rest of the games don't matter, so it doesn't matter what happens, you know, as opposed to using the last nine games to actually learn something from the team to to build something for next year. But look, we have we still have another month. We have over a full month until the season ends. I guarantee you we have we know who our, our manager will be next season before this season ends. I promise you. I within the so. next like within the next two, three weeks. Well, I mean, we're gonna know and and everything that you're talking about that you want to happen will still happen, but it'll happen with five four matches left instead of nine or seven, you know? Yeah. It, it's, it's still, I think it will happen. I don't know. I think, it, it, I, you're, I think it You're will right, too, though. Yeah. I, it's just bleak. All right, gun to your head. Who do you, who do you want? Nogglesman. Nogglesman? Still? I'm not, I'm not saying that just because he's the front runner, but, I mean, out of all the options that are out there, I just think 
I think he would shake things up the most, and I I, I just think that's what we need. For me, it, it, it's either Nogglesman, and if Nogglesman doesn't work out, then maybe then I would go with Pochettino as my plan B. But um, what about you? Real Pochettino as plan B? Oh my god! Yeah, I think. He has experience in the Premier League. I think he's the type of manager that that will come into the club and, and identify a starting 11 really quick, or at least a core group of like 15, 16 guys that he can trust. And, um, he, you know, he'll come in and chop some heads off and, 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 and make some bold decisions. And I, that's what we need. The, the, the appeal for Nogglesman with me is how well he's done with young players and how tactically uh, yeah. uh, adaptive he is. Because... You know, managers like uh, Pep and Carlo, and I mean, you name all the top managers in the world, they're cha- they're chopping and changing their formations outside of Jurgen Klopp constantly. Um, so, and, and and also just in developing young players, Nagelsmann, I think, is probably yeah. the better option as well. I mean, Pochettino, like you could the really like the the one thing you can point to is his time at PSG, and. PSG is just a, a cursed club. It's where careers go to die. I I, I personally believe that. It's like a football club. It's it really nothing has like no player has gone to PSG and come out in a better situation. I mean, maybe Tuchel is the only one. Tuchel no, might be even, the only even Tuchel because that's the argument I hear against Pochettino is. Oh well, he had he had Neymar at PSG and he couldn't do anything in a Champions League and yada yada yada. Look, nobody could manage that PSG dressing room. Even Tuchel couldn't. You know, so tells you everything you need to know about their situation. And then also, like on on the Tuchel front, I mean, he's dropping games left, right, and center at Bayern. So you know, anybody yeah. that's going to argue that oh he should have stayed and he would have righted the ship. It's not how it works. You can't bring a top manager into a broken dressing room and expect it to be fixed. It yep. doesn't work that way. You have to have a transfer window and a top manager to come into clubs before you can expect things to get better. And, you know, Bayern's experiencing that now. And again, that's part of the reason why I'm happy, or not happy, but part of the reason why I'm... Um, I don't even know what the right word is. <laughs> But the reason why I'm okay with Chelsea not bringing somebody in yesterday to come manage the team full time is because of the Tuchel situation. I, I I don't want that to happen. And imagine if you bring in like a Nogglesman tomorrow to Chelsea, right? Imagine how toxic the atmosphere will be for his first game. Like not toxic in a sense that people are booing. I'm sure everybody will be up for it and curious and excited. But yeah, because the, the, they were so goal goes in. And the players' heads start to drop. It's going to get toxic even quicker than it did under Potter. So it's always yeah, that's what I was going to say. It didn't take long for things to turn toxic against Potter. I mean, yeah. I don't know. Yeah, it's just it's 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 hopeless, Zach. I I get what you're saying. Pre-contract, I'm down for that. I think that's a great idea, and I do think it's going to happen. Yeah, and I I Nagelsmann, I think is going to be the guy. I'm happy about that. I think that if if we give him enough time, like when was the last time we hired a manager and let him like build the team in the preseason going into a season? Maybe Mourinho when we bought Sesk and Costa. Yeah, exactly. And look how yeah. that worked. I mean, we we went ahead. And we basically bought the league, but again, that's a that's a top manager who came in and was in full 
you know cohesion with ownership and yeah he, and he knew what he wanted to right. yeah he said i need a striker and i need somebody that's going to get him the ball and that's exactly what they did they got the best so, two of the best to do that exactly and and but but that's what i want that's why i'm so eager for this uh, you know managerial appointment to happen because if it is nogglesman i want him to come in and say okay i'm gonna build around x y and z player and i need you know these i i need this profile and this profile in order for me to complete my puzzle this season and and, and those conversations need to start happening now like if we hire nogglesman he better be telling frank hey I'm curious about this guy. Give him a couple minutes. Hey, I'm curious about so-and-so. Play him here or have him play on the inside for a little bit or ask him to do this differently. And he's slowly going to start tweaking his team from the day he comes in. So the sooner the better, man. It just it ne- it needs to happen. Um, we do have a couple Twitter questions here before we kind of wrap things up. Uh, first question comes from Ron, a.k.a. Bone Daddy Cool, a.k.a. Bone Daddy Deluxe aka bone daddy supreme he is the czar of the rep or the rep ultras the bop ultras yes sir good old days of the rep ultras Mm -hmm. Uh, but he asked us our thoughts on the handling of mason mount situation so he asked a couple different questions we'll just go through them one by one um so so your opinion on the mount situation song um let's just kind of give a quick yes or no do you want the club to re-sign him or are you going to be okay with him being sold to uh get some money back in both can i and i mean yeah. both i'd want to resign him but if we can't come to an agreement i'm happy to sell him and get the money back like yeah i think for me i'm happy either way like or i'm fine either way i just i don't know i, I i'm still haven't given up on mason now completely I'm in the same boat as you. I'm okay with letting him walk if the con if we offered him something fair, if we offered him something that wasn't fair to him and he decides to leave, fair play to him. If we keep him, I think he has a lot to offer the team. But here's the thing, if he goes anywhere else in England, mark my words, we are going to regret it. I don't like know. the thought of the he thought knows. of Mason Mount working with a Jurgen Klopp is uh pretty tasty for liverpool fans Mm -hmm. so you know just using that as an example or even if you sent him to somewhere like newcastle who's missing a playmaker from the middle of the pitch that that what mason mount is i still don't know what he is would be for them i mean they already have a they have some decent wide players already they got a great goal scorer up top now you just need somebody to play behind them i think they need to beef up that midfield with you know, Bruno Guimaraes, and I, he, he needs some help there. I mean, he still has yeah. uh, Joe Willock and Longstaff playing next to him. I mean, imagine imagine replacing Joe Willock with a Mason Mount. Now all Does of John sudden, Joe Shelby still play? I believe he went to Nottingham Forest. <laughs> yeah, I think you're right. Window. Yeah, but... Um, so the next question that Ron asks, and this is something I mentioned last week, you could give a quick yes or no to this. I already answered yes. Do we shut Reese James down to get that surgery now? I mean, you. We already we literally discussed this last episode. You're the one who brought it up. Are you uh, sold on it? Do you want? Are Are you in agreement? The only thing, the only reason why I would be kind of like against it is, which really isn't a great reason, 
we don't have another option at right back or right wing back. Um, I wish we had. What's the name of the French dude that we signed? Uh, that's coming in next year. Oh, I forget Nkunku. his name. No, no, the right back. I know who Nkunku is. Oh, Malaguzzi. Um, yeah. Um, I wish. I don't know why we didn't bring him in halfway through the season. Um, but uh, it would have been a perfect opportunity to, for him to get some experience. But I don't know. I'm I'm down for him to get surgery. As long as he's back, like, before this next season starts. I mean, even if he's not back, I just want him to get it out of the way and so he can get back to being fully comfortable with himself. Because something that was interesting in the Real Madrid match is there was a point in the first half where it looked like he almost pulled up with, like, a little muscle injury. Um, and it looked like the life just got sucked out of Stamford Bridge from there on out. Like, there yeah. was a little overwhelming sigh like oh here we go again He's but is this it. a thing like like you know like you've heard or you've seen that whatever his problem is can be resolved with surgery or are you just like suggesting no, no. maybe there's a chance no, no, no. we're not doctors they, they, it's definitely been mentioned before that you know he he's had inju- he's had a knee injury that he's been dealing with it's the same one that's been recurring um that surgery would be of a benefit to him. Um, and then he okay. had the possibility of coming back hundred percent. So if that's the case, then, then dude, we need to do it because the reset we're seeing right now is a shadow of himself. And, and honestly, he doesn't, he doesn't necessarily look that confident in his own physical no. ability as he no. did in the past, which let's, it, that, I mean, that's his main asset. It's, it is, is how fucking, he he's a, he's a yeah he's a yeah, he's a specimen yeah exactly he's he's made in a lab <laughs> um anyways um moving on so sorry ron we answered those other two questions that you asked us nick lenartson asked us a few questions here our good friend nick <laughs> it's been a while always nick, always good questions just like ron we answered a lot of years buddy but um we're gonna go through and answer a couple of them here so the first question so champions league is gone. Realistically, how many games of the remaining do you think will win? We we also answered this already. One, I think. I think, I think one. Nottingham Forest, maybe. Okay. I can also see us beating Arsenal. Like they're kind of bottling the season right now and spiraling. I don't know if that's. I'm just maybe that's just me having hopeful thinking, but. If we can somehow be involved with them losing the title, I would love it. Maybe yeah. it's just hope. Not, it's not rational. This is something Frank needs to communicate to them in the dressing room. Like, listen, this, that, that match against Arsenal means more to Chelsea fans than any other match remaining on the schedule. <laughs> yeah. All we need to focus on is making sure that Arsenal do not take all three points that day. And if they lose the title, Chelsea fans will rejoice. <laughs> That's it. God damn. That's the only thing we have to go for. Watching another team's downfall. Their demises are this is like the only thing that we have. And it's true. It I, is. That's all, dude, that's all I've been watching for this, this the past like month. And it's yeah. slowly happening. I mean, City is 
looks unreal. I mean, this kind of blends into Nick's next question. He said, so Thomas Tuchel is gone. Well, he said, yeah, so Thomas Tuchel is gone. Was that the most stupid mistake ever by Bully and Co? Not going to answer. Oh, he said not going to answer this. <laughs> you typed that. <laughs> I typed that. You pulled the oh. Joe Biden. Um, yeah, no, I, so, I pulled so, the... <laughs> I'm going to so, answer uh, it. Yeah. I'm going to answer it. Uh, look at look at what's happening over there. I mean, you already mentioned it. He's not having a good time in Bayern. Um, not the best timing for this question, Nick, uh, with today's results. I mean, City just completely worked Bayern, and they're looking insane in league. They're going for the treble. I think they're good. I think I think Arsenal's toast. I think they're done. I don't see City losing another game the rest of the Premier League season. I I think they're the favorites for the Champions League. Like for example, if they play the Real Madrid team that played us yesterday, I think City walk through them because mm-hmm. th- th- granted that Real team is really good, but there's nowhere near as good as they were in years past. Yeah, I mean um, they're. They are going to play in a couple weeks. Yeah. So, anyways, um, we have Brentford in a week. Hopefully we get a new manager in time before then. I don't think we will. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, I, I honestly don't know what to do or how to discuss this match because uh, I have no idea what we're going to line up. Frank is... Uh, desperate at this point or just throwing shit at the wall so let's just not even preview it there's no point I'm not going to i i, I just <laughs> I'm, I'm i'm holding out and hoping that we sign a manager so we could record another podcast before then and then hopefully we'll have a clear picture about the preview but i just i i don't feel good about that game either i don't feel good about any game i won't have a good feeling until maybe next season it's done yeah it's done it is done, and so is this episode. I don't think we have anything else to talk about. So, um, if you aren't following us on Twitter, make sure you are at Blues on Parade, and um, make sure you're looking out for our tweets. We post a tweet after every match. We do give our fans and listeners an opportunity, or not fans, that sounds conceited, our listeners rather, an opportunity They're to us. Uh, they love us. They love us, and we love them. But um, if you want to be included on the show, make sure you look out for our tweets post-match. Make sure you comment uh, what you thought about the match or even ask a question and you could be included on the podcast. Um, Who wouldn't want that? Get your question answered and you'll be famous. Anyways, with that being said, Sam, it's been a, I would say it's been a nice season, but it really hasn't. Try to stay positive. Here's seven more episodes of this nonsense. And until next week, Keep the blue flag flying high.